what's up how you doing good day and welcome wherever you are listening to this from this is another episode of the christian conversations and we are continuing with our season titled christianity is christianity is not welcome enjoy this episode So on this episode, I'm going to talk about waiting or the waiting journey. And uh, this moment is very uh, key to talk about waiting, you know, the waiting journey. It's something that I have personally experienced and uh, I just felt it's it's good, you know, to talk about this on one of my episodes. And so... Waiting, first of all, I have to say, is something that it's it's really part of life. You know, we all have to wait in life. Probably we will not wait at the same time. We won't wait for the same issues. But at the end of the day, everyone has to wait. And waiting is actually something that is very crucial because how we wait and what we do during the wait, I don't know if that's one and the same thing, but the point is how we carry ourselves during the waiting period really determines if we will get whatever it is we are waiting for. So we might either be successful during the wait or we actually fail because of how we waited and what we were doing while we were waiting. So uh, this is the Christian conversation. So everything we talk about has to come from a biblical point of view and uh, perspective. And so from God's word, God actually says, what does he say about waiting? He says that those, (laughs) he says that those who wait on him, he shall renew their strength and they shall be strong. He talks about how, you know, they will rise up on wings as eagles. So, there's actually a benefit of waiting and um okay and many of us find it very hard to wait you know it's one i have come to realize it is one thing to say that oh yeah you know i will wait on god you know i'll be patient and just wait on him and it's an it's now a totally different thing when it's now this is the real you know the real deal you're actually believing for something and now you have to wait. You know, now it's not just talk. I'll wait. Now you're actually, okay, now go ahead, wait, wait on the Lord and wait for his promises and wait for all these things that you believe for. And sometimes it gets so hard. I personally can relate with someone who feels hopeless. I can, uh, and someone who feels like I really don't think that this thing is going to come through because i have been in those moments where i'm really waiting i'm all geared up i'm like excited yes lord we are doing this i'm waiting on you i have faith i will not complain i will not be shaken and then a day goes by two days a week a month then midway you start getting the thoughts you know what if what if this what if this what if i didn't even pray the right way what if god is not really working this thing out and we you now get to a point where you start feeling almost hopeless so i have been there and so that's why i really wanted to talk about waiting the waiting journey and so one thing that is beautiful about waiting okay waiting might look like a very bad thing because you know you're on this other end you want to get somewhere but you just have to stay here until you know it's the right moment actually the word of god itself says that hope deferred makes the heart sick so you see there's that moment where you you know you're really waiting and waiting it can almost make your heart sick because you know you're really anticipating for something and it's not coming but waiting is actually very beautiful and it's some it's actually a godly thing it's god who created this whole waiting process otherwise we would plant a seed today and tomorrow morning we harvest you know but then there's the period where 
we have to water the we have to plant the seed then we have to water we have to do all these things we have to cultivate we have to add in fertilizer or manure and then we get our harvest so you see there's a period in between you can never just start today and by tomorrow you want woo everything is perfect and everything has come to be so the word of god says i think i'm just going to read that one because it's really good on what waiting really does so uh james chapter one verse three says the trying of your faith worketh patience just that the trying of your faith worketh patience so this trying of your faith you can look at it in very uh many ways you know the word of god is not like uh uh what can i say we cannot just define everything in one particular way we cannot explain uh any part of scripture in just one particular way but under the you know just the inspiration of the holy spirit we can really get so much from even one particular verse we can really get a lot of insight in different ways so the trying of your faith for me looks like um those moments where you're believing for something your faith is really stirred up but then the trying comes in when whatever it is you're believing for is not yet is not yet manifested you know so your faith is being tested it's not really tested but it's being tried you know so those moments for me are the moments of waiting where your faith is being tried and the word says that the trying of your faith work is patience so you find that there's no other way under this uh universe that you can develop patience you know you can never really develop patience unless you are in a position where you are you wanted to give up you will never develop and cultivate patience unless you are first in a place where your hope was almost coming to an end but then you endured you held on now that is patience you know you're cultivating and developing patience so unless there's waiting we can never be patient unless um if you're probably dealing with someone or people you can never be patient with those people unless they were acting in a way that you didn't like and you just had to endure and you know just believe that at the end of the of this tunnel this people or this person will change so you see there was you can never have patience unless there was waiting and that is why the word of god says the the trying of your faith worketh patience so you see there's a beautiful thing that comes with waiting as much as sometimes it looks so frustrating and you want to give up now those are the moments that actually your patience is being made <laughs> made it's being cultivated and developed so w- waiting for me previously if you had you would have asked me i really felt like waiting was sometimes hard and yes sometimes it's hard and probably that you know it's not fair why should i be waiting when these other people this one already has what they wanted this one has whatever they wanted you know so at some point it felt like it's not fair there's no way i can be waiting for this long and other people are just getting what they want it's almost like they're not even struggling it's just coming but right now looking at it i can really see that my patience got built and the endurance and even my faith you know it's it's really it's really true i know we can all attest my patience was cultivated when i had to wait in those moments that i was hoping but i was not seeing results those are the moments that my faith my patience was cultivated and why is that important because it's i believe it's important because as i said as we were starting off all of us have to wait and so if patience is cultivated in us even the next season that you'll have to wait for something at least now you'll have some patience you know you won't give up in the middle of uh like the middle of the waiting you won't lose hope you'll endure you'll have the stamina to go on and just keep believing and keep speaking until 
you know, speaking and believing you receive. So that is the importance of patience. And the same way, even dealing with people, if you had moments in your life that you really had to wait for things, it would be a little bit easier for you to even be patient with people because you just have it in you now to endure and to wait and to to be patient. So it's a good thing, I would say. And um, something else I would like to say is that we really should never give up on whatever it is we are believing for. No matter how long it takes, especially if it's something you know God has promised you. It may look like it's not working, it's not coming, but I believe with all my heart that God is so good to leave you hung halfway. God is so faithful to leave you disappointed, you know, to just bring you so far and then just leave you all of a sudden. So sometimes we might not understand. I can't say that I fully understand why sometimes we really, the wait is so long, sometimes it's not as long. I don't know it all. God says that the hidden things belong to him in Deuteronomy. But we just need to know that especially if we are staying in faith, we are doing God's will to the best of our knowledge. We are seeking for his counsel and his guide. We are just believing in, you know, all these things that we know how to do. If you are actively doing those things and whatever it is you want is still taking time, just stay there, wait and be patient. Let patience have her full development in you as you wait for whatever it is you're hoping for and at the end of the day it's going to come you know i was actually thinking abraham had to wait for 25 years before he saw the promise of god fulfilled and 25 years is a very long time some of us wait for two weeks and we're already giving up some of us wait for a month and you already feel tired how much more abraham like that is if he wanted to quit 25 years he had to wait like a whole 12 months then another then another then another like a whole 10 years then another 10 years and the promise of god had not yet been fulfilled but this man it says in in the word of god in romans chapter 4 he counted him faithful who had promised you know he he considered that you know this god he's faithful so this thing might have might take some time but at the end of the day regardless of how long it takes this person who promised me he is faithful and you see the same case with us if we lose hope in the middle of the way it's showing something about us it shows that we don't really believe that god can keep his end of you know he can't you it's almost like you're saying i don't think god will keep his word and so you're calling him a liar you know it's a very bad place to be at i've been there and man i confessed of that because it's really just saying in other words god i think you will not be able to pull this one off i think um you're not really able to keep your end of the promise so i'll just quit and stop believing for abcd you see so if you think about it that way you'll see that it's worth waiting because god is faithful regardless of how long it takes it will still come so we ought to let patience have her perfect work in us yeah and at the end of the day we will see the fulfillment of the promise of God. And if you can look at God's word, it's it's very good because nobody in the Bible didn't wait. All the great people you know, they had to wait. Okay, let us start with Abraham. We've talked about him. He waited 25 years to get his son. Uh, who else? David. He was anointed, but before he actually became king, he had to wait for a very long time. You know, some of us would have quit and be like, God, I thought you anointed me as king. I'm supposed to be like seated on that throne right now with, you know, all these glamorous things going on around. But he had to wait. And eventually he became 
he became king. Joseph had his moments of waiting. He was in prison for a very long time and he was just waiting. He had a dream when he was young that he, you know, his brothers would bow to him and he would have a place of authority. But then look, he was in prison. So he had to wait. He had to exercise patience and he had to just wait until the fulfillment of the promise of God. And, um, all, all these people we can look at in the Bible, they had their moments in life of waiting. So how much more you and I? I believe we all have to wait. And the moment we accept that fact, then we'll be less frustrated. We'll be able to let patience work in us. And we'll be able to just remain faithful even in believing. Faithful in believing that God is able to do it for us. So I hope you get something from this episode i will definitely do a more some more organized episode on waiting on the lord but just to finish the word of god tells us in i believe it's psalms chapter 46 verse 10 uh it says that be still and know that i am god so being still is part of the waiting in the waiting you can decide to you know just complain and uh, give up you're actually not waiting if you've given up but you know we may choose to complain we have we have this victim mentality during waiting you know like oh i'm the only one who is not progressing in life why is it i just feel sorry for myself but okay we can choose to do that or we can choose to be still and know that he is god and being still looks like god you know Yes, this thing has not happened, but I will not complain. I trust that you are able to do it for me and I will wait. I thank you for it because I know it is already done. I am just waiting to receive it and it is coming. I believe I receive it. I have it. That is being still. Being still is also not being quiet, but being still is trusting and just letting it all to God, you know, casting it all to him and allowing him to actually show himself strong on your behalf. That is being still. And so God tells us that be still and know that I am God. And as I conclude this, I just want to let you know today, whatever you're facing, take a deep breath and just be still and know that he is God. Jesus said, even if you worry, you will not add even an inch of hair on your head. You will not add even um, even a second to your time just by worrying and complaining and venting okay negative kind of venting and all these things they will not help you so just be still and know that he's god if you feel the temptation to get angry because things are not happening if you feel the temptation you know feeling it does not mean you've actually embraced it you might the temptation will come you know the temptation to complain the temptation to feel sorry for yourself and have this pity party and have a victim mentality the temptation will come but then what do you do about it don't stay there and be sorry for yourself and all these other things just um commit it to god tell him you know god i am feeling like crying you can cry if you have to i feel this and this and this but I will not go with the emotions. I will trust that you're God. Then go ahead and magnify him. I know you are faithful. I know you are steadfast. I know you will never leave me. Your love for me is enduring forever and throughout all generations. Your promises will remain. You know, just encourage yourself in the Lord. That is waiting on him and being still. Yeah. And at the end of the day, be sure you will see the manifestation of what you're believing for. No matter how long it takes, be sure that it will come to pass. So, God bless you and yep. That has been today's episode of Christianity is, Christianity is not. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you and that you receive the strength to do what you know now you're supposed to do as a Christian. And even if you are not a Christian, I just want to let you know that God really loves you. He really wants you to join in on the family, the Christian family. And, you know, just let your heart 
receive the love of God because I can assure you the love of God is always there constantly and if you just allow yourself to hear God to uh, embrace his love to be embraced by him then you would be able to see that really you know God is for you he wants what's best for you and he really really loves you so that is today's episode and this is the Christian conversations stay blessed you are blessed and highly favored They've been 
don't have hope. Their eyes are glazed. They need fathers. They need providers. They need protectors. They, they need those that are encouragers so that their children can rise up and become something. They're not a, a problem. They're a blessing, it says in the Bible. They're not some responsibility that you need to throw off to the side. Because you've got to take care of both of God's offspring. Both of God's children. Children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. So I'm speaking to a, a world today. Not Kenya, not America, the world itself. That in the last days it says that God, God will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It says that in Malachi. It says it in Luke. If there was ever a time for men to stand up and take responsibility for their world, for their children, for their wives, is today. Amen. Amen. It says they'll be discouraged, unmotivated, with their spirits broken. Broken-spirited people don't accomplish anything. Is that what we want? Another generation of, of people that are confused, running around in circles, not creating any order, not creating any new products, not creating any new opportunities for the world we live in. I'm thankful today for what young people have brought into my world that, I, that my generation didn't bring into the world, but the new generation brought into the world. So we, we are responsible to nurture them and keep them to where they can go to the next level. They should start higher than we did not lower. Amen. Okay. That's all my hard preaching. So let's go to the next screen here. So how do you spell fatherhood for the seed? Go ahead. Number one. Here's one C. You're the CEO, Chief Executive Officer. That's a big term for a corporate officer. You're the CEO of your family. You are the boss. Hey, okay, you're the boss. Well, the buck stops here. Amen? You know, you're responsible for that corporation called your family. This is your corporation. This is your business. People are going to look at your business and say it's a good business or it's a bad business. He runs his family well. He doesn't run his family well. You girls don't care today if I just preach to the men, do you? Okay. Number two, you're the compass. See, there's a picture of a compass up here. The compass shows true north at all times, right? When you uh, an accurate compass, the needle will always go true north. And so if you go out into the woods or out into the land with a compass, it will always tell you which direction is north. Well, men, you're the compass of your family. If you get off directions just a little bit, and, you're, and, you're, and your compass is no longer pointing true north, and you think you're going true south, you're not going south, you're going off. And many men, many people, they lose their compass, but you are the compass for your family. They're relying on your navigational skills. They're relying on you to take them from point A to point B safely. I'm glad when I get on that airplane Monday morning, Monday night, to go to Romania from here, that they know how to get there. You know. I'm relying on the navigation skill of that air, air, airplane pilot and the instrumentation that he has in the cockpit. Well, man, we've got instrumentation. God gives it to us. We've got, we know true north. The word of God is true. The way of God is true. And then number three here, you're the captain. You are the one steering the ship. Not your wife. Unfortunately, many men just go back and they don't take their leadership role. And the wives are steering. And they do the best they can. And many of them do just a fantastic job of steering. Regardless of what their husbands do or the, or the man in their life. But you men are responsible you're the captain of that ship. It's got to get from port to port. Amen. Go ahead, Sam. Sam. You're the creator. You invent things. Listen, men, if you don't have it, invent it. If your family needs it, create it. Go to God. Get the wisdom. Create something. Make something. Invent something. I do it all the time. I have to do it. 
I find ways to make things for my family, to make the life work for my family. You're the composer. You are writing your life song. And you are the conductor. You are leading the orchestra. Think about a song. You know, a song has a beginning, it has an end. It has a message, it has a melody, it has a harmony. It has all these beautiful components. And then if you're leading an orchestra, like you see this, this orchestra leader here, you know, he's engaged. And he's got violin section, he's got a trumpet section, he's got drum section, he's got flutes and clarinets. This is your family, all these different beautiful instruments in one setting. And it's up to you now to lead the song of your life. Is your song a beautiful song? Is it a song that people enjoy? Are you creating it? And you know, all the instruments are waiting on the conductor's direction. When it's time for the flutes, he, he'll do this, go, and the flutes play their song. When it's time for the trumpets, he tells the trumpets, blow your horn, amen? Because you are the conductor of your family. Go ahead. You're the coach. You train, encourage, and correct. You know how to play sports. You know every, every team has a coach. They know when to put the players in, take the players out. They, they help encourage their skills. They teach them how to kick a football. They teach them how to guard. They teach them how to, to train. And they correct them when they need correction. This was one of my dad's weaknesses. He was a good man, he was a faithful provider, but he wouldn't correct me when I would be rebellious as a young boy. And it caused me a lot of problems because I took that rebellion as a, you know, acknowledgement that I could do whatever I want. And you know, when you just run off as a child with no boundaries, you get hurt. And I got hurt many times because my father wouldn't correct me properly. And then you're courageous, man. You have to face your fears. You're not going to be without fears. Because I'll tell you, you take on the responsibility of a family, a wife, a job, a ministry, a place in society, and, and everything confronts you and says, no, no, stop. Who do you think you are? You can't have this. And you can get afraid. Because you need so much courage now to face everything that's coming your way. But Jacinta knows what courage is, don't you, Jacinta? Amen. It's facing your fears. It's not the elimination of fears. It's facing your fears and overcoming your fears. Being overcomer, man. And champion. You make your family win. Nothing replaces a win. Losing is part of life, but, you know, if it's losing and losing and losing, then you never get a win. You get discouraged. You know, if you're a team that never wins, you get discouraged. Hey, you know, you're a winner. Jesus made you a winner. He gave you the tools of, to win, to be a champion, to be more than a conqueror through him that loved you. To take this training, this advice, this goodness of the gospel and win with it. Make your family win. What does it take, coach, to, to do what's necessary to win that game, to win the game of life? With your family. Go ahead. Oops. You're clever. You figure it out. You're, you're clever. You've got wisdom. You, you know, here it comes up to stuff that it's like a trick question. You know, life can give you all kinds of you know, funny moments where you've got to be smart. I mean, you got to think on your feet. you got to be street smart. Jesus said he was wise as a serpent. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. you got to know how to get your family around the corner. you got to be clever. you got to make it happen. you got to be win you got to make it become a winner. And you're capable. That means that you, you've got to acquire the skills. Because everything in life requires skill. 
you know, I remember, and when I did this conference in Nagaland for the youth ministry and the music ministry, all the young musicians were gathered around me. They were excited and they wanted to know about stuff. And I said, listen, I know you've got great musical talent and, and you're hoping that somehow through your church work that you're gonna be discovered and you'll be on the internet and the world will wanna buy your music and you're gonna make a life out of music and provide us. Let me tell you something, acquire some skills in some other arena because you're gonna need it. Because as much as we wanna have this dream of people acknowledging our greatness, it's better to have some just common skills that I can fall back on and rely on in life. I'm a carpenter. The last two years during COVID, I built houses again because I could. Because when the world shut down and, and I couldn't go anywhere because of COVID, God provided a way for me to put my skills back to work and keep providing for my family. Even now that I'm 70 years old, I'm still providing for my family. And God gave me the strength to still get out there and work every day. And we build with wood in America. We don't build with concrete like you do here. But I've been cutting wood and nailing wood and building, building nice houses and selling them and making money for my family. Because I, I learned early on that even though I'm a preacher and a singer and a musician and a, a, you know, I need skills because seasons of life come. You may start a great church and somebody come in there and split the church and ruin the church and run, run everybody off. And then there, there goes your income, there goes your opportunity. And what are you going to do if the only skills that you have is preaching? Develop some skills. You know, I hope that you go out and build great churches and have great income and have great, you know, effectiveness. But one out of ten might do that. One out of ten, maybe less. So, you know, don't rely on that. Rely on the fact that you're a smart human being. That God gave you abilities, talents, creativity, that you can go out into that world like anybody else and compete on a level that brings back resources for your life. Amen. Amen. Then you're the CFO. That means Chief Financial Officer. You're the CEO. You're calling all the shots. You're the boss. But you're also the CFO. You're the Chief Financial Officer. It's wonderful for your wife to help provide funding for the family if, if that's the way you two decide to do it. But God holds the man responsible for the finances of the family. You've got to bring it in, man. The Lord told me one time, he said, Chuck, what's the greatest thing you can ever do for a poor man? I thought about it, I don't know. What's the greatest thing I can ever do for a poor man? He said, never become one. Amen? Can a poor man have another poor man? No. A poor man can't help a poor man. So unless you've got some resources more than you need, you can't help somebody that's, that has a need. So use your skills. Develop your skills. You're the chief financial officer. Go ahead. Co-laborer, you work together with your wife and your family. You're not... They don't do all the work. You're a co-laborer together with them. Paul said we are co-laborers with Christ. Jesus came to do the work of the ministry, and you and I are co-laborers together with him. And we're co-laborers together with our family. And you're the caregiver. You care for your family. You show care. You show concern. I, you care about your family. Many men live like they don't care about anything but themselves. They won't tell their wives where they're going, when they're going, when they're going to come back, if there'll be food, if there'll be school fees. And the care of the family gets pushed way back down the list of things that are important. No, that's wrong. It's the exact wrong. Care for your family comes first. And then you're the cleanup crew. 
You keep things clean and in order. Men, it's not just your wife's responsibility to help do the cleaning. Keep your life clean. Keep your house clean. Keep your heart clean. Keep your mind clean. God loves clean things. His streets are pure gold in heaven. There's no dust on the streets of heaven. What about dust all over your house? Do you help dust? Do you help clean? Do you help sweep? Do you help do the laundry? Do you help clean up the kitchen? <laughs> I know you women are loving me right now, huh? You love hearing this because you know it's all true. And, and these guys are going, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't like what he's saying. Who does he think he is? Yeah, I had to learn all this, man. I'm still learning it. Because he that would be greatest among you must what? Be servant of all, not just some. And, if, and Titus says this, and Timothy says this. If a man does not know how to lead his own household, how can he lead the church of God? Your family is your first church. How do you treat the sheep in your own family? How do you treat that daughter of God? How do you treat those little ones? Are they your congregation today? Are they the most important thing in your life? You're the caregiver. You're the cleanup crew. You're the co-laborer together with them. Go ahead. You're compassionate. You show empathy and tenderness. You're the cuddler. You provide loving and touch. Men, you need to let your daughters know how beautiful they are, how wonderful they are. They need to know the love and the touch of a father that's holy and bright and pure. They need to know that they're beautiful, they're wonderful. Because when they get out of the world, they're going to have boys come after them and try to encourage them to be touched, to try to encourage them to be something that God didn't encourage. And if they know better, if they know my daddy loves me, I'm safe in my daddy's arms, that I have the loving touch of a man, because a woman wants the loving touch of a man. Holy touch, not sinful touch. But the devil's got plenty of men that'll go ahead and violate women. Take away their virginity, take away their hope, take away their dreams. And you as men of God, you need to stand up and tell the world that that's enough, stop it. Men, love your families. Cuddle them. Here's a man on the floor just rolling around with his babies, touching, loving them, having fun with them, spending time with them, so they know that Daddy loves them. Daddy is my protector. Daddy is my hero. Daddy is great. I love my dad. He's, he makes me feel safe. And then counselor. You're a good listener. I know this is it's harder for men. Women will sit and listen to each other. And men say, okay, thanks. You know, and we're just gone. We, we don't want to take time with people. Because we, we're busy. You know, it's, it's important to be busy. And I, I'm, I'm the worst at it. I, I go, okay. You know, because I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to build, what I'm going to do. And I just, you know, okay, talk to me. And then just take a breath and listen and be there and, and help develop the hopes and the, and sometimes all they need just to talk is they don't need you to solve their problem. I found this out because men want to say, okay, do this, this, and this, and I'll see you later. You know? My daughters didn't want me to solve their problems. They wanted to talk to dad. And whenever I try to solve their problem, they get mad at me. Then I'd get mad at them. I'd say, they're not respecting me. But I found out it's because girls don't want answers. They want attention. They want to be heard. They'll figure out the problem themselves and figure out what the answer is. They just need you to be that authority figure, that one that they can trust, that they can tell, they can be honest with you. Because if all you ever do is try to solve their problems, they'll just quit being honest. So you need to be a good listener. And then one of my last phrases here, cheerleader, you're your family's biggest fan. 
you know, in America, youth sports is big. And two of my daughters went to college on, on football scholarships. We play something called soccer in America. But girls play soccer, and in the college level, if they're good at it, they start in grade school and high school, and if they get really good at it, they can get a scholarship like a man to go to college. And my, two of my daughters got college soccer scholarships, and one daughter got a tennis scholarship for playing tennis. And I tried to be at every game, and I think I made almost every game for every one of them to come and root for them and cheer for them. And I would leave the side of my work sometimes, and, and I'd show up, and, and I'd get there, and I'd beat my horn, and my daughter who played tennis, and she always waited to hear for that horn to beat. She knew Daddy's here. And there's just something about showing up and being their biggest fan in life that causes them to just well up with energy, you know. My dad used to, we used to play baseball, you know, when we get hit the ball, hit the ball. He loved baseball, he taught me baseball. And he encouraged me, he was my coach. And I could hear him on the side, you're the greatest, come on, you're the greatest, you can do it. They called me Chucky, he called me Chucky. When I was little, they called me Chucky. Come on, Chucky. You're the greatest. You can do it. Come on. Strike him out. Strike him out. That's pitching. Hit it. Come on. Hit a big one. You can hit it. Come on. They, they need, we all need it. We all want somebody to cheer. We all want somebody to root for us for our success. So, you know, if you want it, give it. Amen. Whatever you give is going to come back. Good measure press not shake the other way. And the comedian, I like this one. You have to find humor to diffuse life's pressures. You know, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself. You gotta make jokes out of trouble. You gotta take trouble and just turn it into joke, fun, and, and make your home a place of laughter. Where you're not taking life so seriously all the time. For me, oh me, my problems. Turn problems into opportunities for joy. You can do it. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy lives on the inside of you. So we have a lot of fun in our family. We tease, we laugh, we joke. I love Pastor Victor. He's always laughing. He's laughing, he's happy, he's teasing you. He's making jokes all the time to you. And that's a sign of healthy, it's a healthy heart. It's a healthy home that is a home full of laughter. And the clown, you know, just be silly, you can do silly things and just have a lot of fun with life because you're not so self-conscious and so proud that you just can't relax and enjoy life around you, amen? amen. This is what God wants. Okay, next screen. So the final C, what is the goal in all this? Is to become Christ-like. The final C of fatherhood is to become Christ-like. Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I went to visit my son a few years ago in California. He lives out near the Pacific Ocean. And some days we'll take, everybody will pack up and get in the car, we'll go to the ocean for the day. That's fun. And we'll put chairs out in the ocean, watch the kids, the kids will play, and then they'll go out in the water a little bit, come back in, we'll sit there, we'll have lunch, and just enjoy it. And I was walking across the sand, going down the beach, and the Lord said this. This ought to be your goal, Chuck, to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. That ought to be our goal. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <clears throat> Jesus said it, didn't he? <clears throat> we can be like Jesus. We can have those attributes. Amen. Amen. So then I made a confession here. And I'll go ahead to the next screen. Take a screenshot of that with your camera or, you know, Sam's going to have all these PowerPoints. The ones that I bought, every one that I preached here since we came three weeks ago. And uh, he can make every one of these available to you. Just, just download it onto WhatsApp, you know, if you'll get 
I don't know how you do it, Sam, but if you can figure out a way that the students can get the downloads, maybe on the screen on Sunday morning, so you can you can make a link or something. I, I figured figure that out. <laughs> or they can just pick those downloads. But <coughs> I'll read this and then, you know, hopefully you'll, men, you'll take this, or anybody can take this and say this. I am an imitator of God in everything I do. I am his son growing in maturity as a man. I'm living a life filled with love, following the example of Christ my Lord, just as he loved me and offered himself as a sacrifice for me. I'm willingly doing the same for my family. It is pleasing and brings honor to my Father God. Amen. Ephesians 5, 1 is just taken from that. So I hope I haven't stepped on too many toes today. <laughs> I hope what I've done is, you know, I always say this, a word to the wise is sufficient. You're wise, that's why you're here. You've already qualified as wise people. Because you know that without Bible knowledge, you're not going to succeed in life the way you want to. So you're here to get Bible knowledge. So I, I consider you wise. You're the, you're the best. You're chosen out. So iron sharpens iron, as a man, man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That, you know, we're here to develop each other and help each other. So let me bless you today. Let me pray for you. Let's stand to our feet. I think it's time to go home, right? It's been a long day. <laughs> let me bless you and praise God for you. Father, I thank you for the class of 2022. Father, South Bible College. These are men and women that are winners, Lord. They're going to win in life. They're taking what they're learning here and going forth with it into the world, to be the light of the world, to be the standard of what's right and wrong, to be people of honesty, integrity, and character. And so that the world looks on us as that is good. It's very good. I want to be like that. So I, I bless them all, Lord, as they go home today to wherever they're going. Let these words ring in their hearts and ears. Let it be the hope of, of the future, of good things that can transpire because we trust in you, the living God. And thank you for this wonderful time that I've had here in the Father's house. These have been rich and, and wonderful sessions for me. And I thank you for the love that I feel here presence of your spirit here, that you're truly with us. And for that, we give you praise, and everybody said today, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you very much.